a Mitch and Jeremy exclusive. Are you ready? On air. Online. On your smart speaker and wherever you stream. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews and episodes on demand now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of it. Uh, look, let's get right into this. Four time Grammy nominated legendary reggae pop fans are going to be performing their big hits on the Bigger Bigger Redeem Tour, kicking off on August 18th at the River Breeze Event Center, Knoxville, Tennessee, rolling through Detroit, Pittsburgh, Newark, New York, Boston. St. Petersburg, Florida, the Janus live all the way through to Fort Worth, Texas, wrapping up in early September at the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles, California. Pick up their latest record that came out last year as well. Uh, welcome to the show. For the Go first ahead and tell time, what the title is, by the way. Go ahead. Uh, one more time. Big yeah. Baga Redeem. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the show for the first time. Matthew Doyle and Robin Campbell from UB40. What's oh. up, gentlemen? Hi, guys. Thanks for having us. Great to see oh. you. Pleasure to talk Bitch, to you. I want to hear you say the album title first before it's we really get It's really easy. It's really, really simple. Bigger Bag of Rhythm. <laughs> Bigger Bag of Rhythm. See? See? There you go. <laughs> See? I did an album in the in the mid-80s called Bag of Rhythm. Right. Which, which was um, a, a collaboration album, but using mostly uh, local artists from Birmingham. We also did the Chrissy Hine uh, tune as well on the album, but the rest of the album was with local people, whereas this one is a more international thing. We've we've used artists from all over the world that we've worked with over the years. Uh, and because it's a more international collection, we decided to call it a bigger bag of rhythm. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and they, by the way, that, that their first album came out when I graduated high school, believe it or not. Uh, right. Well, since we're on that album, just uh, Chrissy Hine, you did that I Got You, Babe, with her, the big Sunny and Cher song. Uh, just quickly talk to me about that collaboration, because... You're sort of known for doing great covers from Red Red Wine to Can't Stop Falling in Love to I Got You, Babe. Yeah, I think I think reggae lends itself to covers, you know. that uh, We've been listening to covers done by reggae artists all of our lives. Uh, even stuff that we thought was originals, like Red Red Wine, we had no idea it was a Neil Diamond tune. Um, oh, you know, wow. we knew it as a record by a guy called Tony Tribe who was um, a Jamaican reggae artist, you know, and that was the version that we knew as teenagers. And we never heard the Neil Diamond version until many years later when people told us that it was a Neil Diamond tune. <laughs> right. But, you know, we had we had no idea. Um, and that's pretty much uh, how it's been every time we've done covers like that, you know. It's uh, – we just – we're doing – we're covering – reggae hits as far as we're concerned but sometimes it turns out that they're not reggae hits or they were reggae hits but they were not original they were covers you know right. and uh, then you turn them into a reggae hit <laughs> yeah well and the chrissy one was uh that was just chrissy gave us our first break in 1980 we went on tour with them they had a number one album and a number one single at the time yeah. so uh we toured uh, a sold out tour with them um and that kind of launched us you know uh on the bigger scene we released a single while we were on the tour when the tour finished we were in the top five so it really kind of launched us you know so we always talked about doing a, a record with chrissy because we got on great with her uh we became friends and she just kept saying you know we got to do a song together and it took us years to get around to where we kind of 
mess up again, you know? I mean, we kept seeing each other while we were on the road. We kept bumping into each other and saying, we must do a tune together, you know? And right. it, kept, it kept going on. And it was like, I think, 85, I think we yeah, because it was on Bagger Rhythm, so it would have been 85. Yeah. We, we uh, finally got to do the track with her. And uh, we claim that we thought of the song <laughs> to cover it, and she claims that it was her idea. <laughs> well, Who knows? Way, it, it worked. But it, uh, it, was, it was a massive success. You know, it went number one for us in the UK, so it yeah. was brilliant. Yeah. It and worked Kristen out. was doing great covers at the time. Right after that, she went off and did Walk Away with uh, Cheap Trick and Robin Zander. And it's just like, wow, look at her doing all these well, great duets. Um, she, could do, she could do great records with anybody. She's got a great voice, that girl. She really does. So yeah. just quickly talk about this because you, you, you're you known as a reggae band. But, I mean, these songs that you've covered end up on the pop charts, end up at the top of Billboard, at the top of the official UK charts. Do you see yourself as a pure reggae band, or are you somewhat of a pop band as well? Well, I see reggae as pop music, right? As far as I'm concerned, you know, I, um, I'm not, I'm not a Rastafarian. You know, I was listening to reggae before, uh, before it became the Rasta music. You know, it yeah. was Jamaican pop music to me, and right. all the artists that I was listening to weren't Rastafarians; they were Jamaican music artists you know mm. uh people like ken booth and jimmy cliff etc you know they weren't they may they may have adopted the faith later on but but they you know it wasn't rasta music it was pop music yeah. and yeah. as i've already said they they were covering a lot of english and american pop music anyway um you know neil diamond tunes and Beatles yeah. songs and all sorts you know so to me it was it was just Jamaican pop music when I when it first, you know, in its, from its inception in the sort of '67, um, I was a very young teenager, and that was all I listened to. But how as far are you as I exposed was, to I was it? Cons- well, where we lived, it was a high immigrant area. Yeah. Because um, I found this and- interesting. A lot of British artists, like, I mean, like, you know, one of the most famous reggae fans ever is Johnny Ryan from the Sex Pistols. Like, he he's a huge reggae fan. And I always thought that was bizarre. Like, somebody that would be a punk guy would be well, influenced by reggae. And then, you know, like, how well, do you guys even discover it? The whole punk movement was very much um, into reggae. It was very influenced by reggae and the reggae scene. Yeah. But, yeah. but we were in... We were listening to reggae long time before that. I was listening to Jamaican pop music before it was reggae, when it was ska. And um, in the 60s with people like Prince Buster. And then it became, it slowed down and got much sexier and became reggae, you know. Uh, So where I was living, I was surrounded by all sorts of different immigrants. And therefore, I heard all sorts of different musics. And the one that I heard most was the Jamaican music, and it's the one that I fell in love with. That's the one that all of my friends, the whole social circle, our gang, which became our band, uh, we were all into reggae. That's that's what we loved, you know. I mean, some of the band were of Jamaican descent anyway. Their parents had come over from Jamaica in the 50s. Yeah. Um, and others, I mean, we were all born in Birmingham, but we heard the music that was being played in Birmingham. And one of those musics, especially in the area that we grew up in, was reggae. So, to us, was it wasn't Black strange. Black Sabbath in Birmingham? Yes, of course, Black Sabbath. I mean, Birmingham is 
also it's a complete cultural melting pot it right. depends where it depends where you come from in birmingham where we lived in birmingham you never heard heavy metal you never heard heavy rock what you heard was indian bhangra music and jamaican reggae you know that was what we heard as well as of course as well as um, english pop music right. you were hearing that as well we we're, we're all hearing the beatles etc well, and american music were, american were pop we were we were loving Tamla Motown more than anything you know american music of course was very influential as well but the music that that we heard everywhere we went in the area that we lived was reggae and that was that was the number one style and when we when we formed a reggae band we didn't discuss what kind of music or how to make it commercial we just believed it was commercial mm-hmm. and you know we just we just made it the way we wanted to make it um i we were probably trying to be as close to an authentic jamaican sounding reggae band as we could be but it came out different because we're from birmingham england you know right. home of ozzy so so were yeah. you at i mean you mentioned the beatles real quick but were you just not a fan of the beatles and the rolling stones and all those bands coming from that era the you know the zeppelins that were getting started would you just sort of go meh I'd rather listen to reggae or did you did, did that become part of you as well and you just sort of used it differently oh yeah we were certainly listening to the beatles i loved the beatles as a kid um you know i i loved the whole british pop scene you know the the whole liverpool sound the mersey beat sound all the harmony bands i loved all that stuff you know yeah uh, i didn't love uh, uh, the stones so much i got to like them later on but uh, the stones were a bit too sort of rocky for me you know really? a bit too bluesy but because i w- i was more into the pop side of it i loved the beatles you know but uh, i i loved all sorts of stuff i loved the everly brothers you know i i loved all sorts of things sam cook yeah uh, you know or al green uh, otis redding you know i loved all sorts of music and all paul types anka? of music. paul anka because we're canadian paul anka did you like paul anka <laughs> paul, just, just, a little bit right. of celine dion in there he well, did no. it his way. He did it. <laughs> he did. That'd be a great song for you to cover, quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, what kind of music were you into growing up? Like, what was the, what were your influences? <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much. Now there's, you know, UB40 were just everywhere, um, you know, uh, and they still are. And just everywhere you go in Birmingham, you, you just hear UB40 and um, they got under my, under my skin and in my bones. And then, yeah, and then you know, growing up, I got into other stuff as well, like heavy metal. Um, oh, like who? You know, the, the kinds of pop music. But I, I was getting into kind of the the bands at, um, at my time when I was getting into metal were bands like uh, I don't know if you've heard of Bullet for My Valentine, who were like yeah, of well, course, yeah, of course, of course we yeah, we're, we're um, the heavy metal duo. We know trivia, that stuff. people like that. That was like you know when I was a teenager, but wow. I was kind of listening later to that years. as well as like Ken Booth and. Um, Matt you know, yeah, just um, Alba Rosie and stuff like that. Um, all, all different mishmash of everything, man. Like mu- music is kind of genreless in my eyes. I just I love everything. Yeah, it'd be funny and to see the singer of. Uh, come from Birmingham. That's how it is because there's so many different types. It's such a cultural melting pot, Birmingham. Uh, there's so yeah. many different types of music that if you're open to them, you can hear them all. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't that what makes a really great musician? Just being into music. Yeah, sure. 
Well, I, I yeah. agree with Matt. I, I, there, for me, there's two genres of music. Music I like and music that I don't like. I mean, yeah. that's really it. <laughs> All this other stuff about, I mean, somebody, I got a, a press release the other day. It said, math rock duo. And I went, math rock? Math rock? Like, what does that even mean? Like, <laughs> what the hell's math rock? Yeah. So, you, you know, um, Matt, talk to me quickly about taking over as a singer, because we, we know the story. We had a brother and another brother and another brother who didn't like the other brother. And then you turn up. Uh, talk to me about filling those shoes, knowing the history, knowing that it's you know it's a bit of a effervescent history, history to say the bits to say the least. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, it's I mean, so far it's just been a, it's, it's been just incredible. It's been everything that I always hoped that touring and being in a you know a big band would be like. Um, and with with the other stuff, you know, it's for me. People sometimes people sometimes ask, you know, like, um, does it get to you when people will say certain things or, or whatever about you know uh, the original singer? And it's like, I don't, I really don't care. Like to me, yeah. I'm singing for UB40, and that's that's all that matters. So any of the other stuff that kind of goes on, you know, it's uh, it's yeah. It's just whatever. For, for me, this is just all incredible, and you know, I'm I'm new to all this, and uh, <laughs> it's just yeah, it's a dream come true. Do, do you channel your inner Matt Heffy when you're singing? The Lincoln Nerve <laughs> Trivium. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, yeah. You don't, you don't really need to when you're singing reggae, like you know. He, <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't want to be uh yeah. I wouldn't want to be singing like him, singing red red wine, but. Uh, yeah, you know, sometimes all these all these different um, kind of front people, um, they all have an influence. Yeah, like Matt Heafy, um, who else? You know, even Amy Winehouse is a massive influence of mine. Something again, completely different. Yeah, um, yeah, you've just got to, you've got to take all those influences, put them into that pot, mix it up, and uh, see what comes out. Mitch, we got to call Matt after we get off Zoom with them. We're going to tell him we just talked to the singer of UB40. He's a big fan. And we should get Trivium to do a cover of UB40's Red Red Wine with the singer. Yeah, I, I, that would be great, actually. Matt's, Matt, Matt's terrific. Matt's um, the man. Down for that. <laughs> let's quickly talk about uh, the continued success of the band and making new music. Because a lot of bands, especially that, that have been around for 20 or 30 years, they get out there, they do the show, they play their 10 hits, their 12 hits, their 15 hits, they go merci, bonsoir, and they go home. Uh, you're still making new music. Why is that important? And, and other than just being you know, a creative outlet. Well, that's, that's it really. It's, it, it is our creative outlet. It's what we do. It's what we've been doing for, well, we'll be celebrating 45 years next year. You know, um, we don't want to be a cabaret act. Right. We, we don't want to just go out and play the old hits. You know, I mean, we've had a lot of them over the years. I think in the UK, we've, we've had nearly 50 top 40 hits, you know? Um, so yeah, we could just, actually. we could, sorry. I think you've had 50 top hits. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> but, you know, we, we could just do that. We could just do a, a two-hour set of, of old hits, you know. But uh, we like being current. We like, we like working together. We still like working in the studio. We like making new music. And there's nothing better than to get out on the road and play to your audience 
your new music, you know, and get their reaction, get their seal of approval. Um, we we love being a live band. We love playing them our new stuff, and we love getting a reaction off them. You know, that's that's what it's all about for us. It's not. It's we play the old stuff more or less because we have to because it's expected. You know, yeah, um, yeah. and you and you want to create a party vibe. So of course you want to play the songs they know and love and want to dance and along and sing to. Um, so songs like red, red wine always get done. You know, we always play those tunes. We always play Kingston town. We always play can't help falling in love. Uh, and then, you know, we always play some new stuff too. That's, that's what it's about. And we love doing that. And uh, I don't think it'll ever, I can't imagine that we're ever going to stop working on new stuff you know we may not be as prolific as we used to be but uh you know we we still enjoy working and now when you get injections of new talent like this young man here it's uh you know then it it, it gets the juices flowing again yeah, you know? re-energizes you exactly absolutely he has re-energized us just as as um getting my other younger brother duncan in uh energized us uh, 14 years ago when he came in with us it it reinvigorated the band you know uh and the same has happened since he retired um and matt's coming the same has happened we're we're all firing on all cylinders and, and raring to go we've just uh, myself and matt just wrote a uh, a song that we recorded and we're really pleased with it we're really happy and we're looking forward to getting the time to work on some more stuff together, you know? Yeah, yeah. totally. Uh, you, you have one? Because I, I had one more. Oh, go ahead, Mitch. Well, I was going to ask you, uh, the importance of the MTV era and much music and videos, because growing up in Montreal, I did not hear UB40 on the radio. If you're thinking, you know, 81, 82, 83, whatever. The, and then the, much music comes to town and you're on there all the time. And so for me, I discovered you through the visual and through video and through the video medium. Uh, how important was that for your career? Did it, did it lead to a big breakthrough? Was it sort of just an addition or was it really a game changer? Um, I think it was different in different areas, you know, okay. different territories. Uh, I think places where we, we hadn't broken big when the video thing happened and we released the Labour of Love album with the Labour of Love video, uh, I mean, that video was like 40, 40 minutes long and contained all the all the pop videos within a story, you know, um, and that got played on everything uh, like MTV, etc. You know, it was uh, so it, it made a big difference to us, but we weren't really we weren't really aware of it because it was to us we were still playing records you know and it was a kind of minor inconvenience that you had to shoot a video as well to go you know with your record uh, i always felt like it was a strange thing to do to to be making a um a film to help to sell a a, a piece of music you know it always seemed a strange thing to do but it became the norm uh because of mtv i guess and uh yeah it it I, in the end it helped us you know and it was something that we that we always did uh again it's it's now kind of it it doesn't have the importance that it used to have you know just as records don't you know the the most important thing now is to be out on the road and and playing you know uh which of course covid killed that for the last couple of years but 
you know, we'll be hopefully we're we're free again and we should be able to get around the world again. Right. And I mean, the song Red, Red Wine, I mean, I play it like every other day still on my radio show here in Montreal and in Toronto. And it's also kind of like gotten a new lease on life too with social media, like being in memes on TikToks and different things. Like yeah. it's kind of cool to see the song just like transcend generations and like the new generations turning it into something else for themselves. Yeah, it'll probably end up on an advert next. <laughs> <laughs> Sell it. Put it in like a Geico commercial or something. <laughs> something like that, yeah. You know? Uh, UB40's Big Up, Bigger Rhythm Tour with the original Whalers featuring Al Anderson, Maxi Priest, Big Mountain Tour dates include <laughs> River Breeze, Event Center, Knoxville, Tennessee, kick it off on August 18th, running all the way through into September. Honestly, it's going to be a big tour. What's it going to be like being on the road with the original Whalers? That's, that's pretty cool. Talking about like a, a power reggae bill, man. Yeah, it's not the first time we've played with the Whalers before. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they've opened uh, in the UK for us and uh, and various other places around the world. So it's it's not new, but uh, it's a slightly different Whalers every time you play with them, you know. Uh, <laughs> the last time we uh, the last time we played with the Whalers it was uh, um uh, family man Aston family man Barrett uh, the bass player but he's retired now so mm. now I think the only original guy out of the uh, that's in the Whalers even though they call themselves the original Whalers I think right. the only one is uh, is Al Anderson the guitarist mm-hmm. um, but yeah that should be fun I, I like the build all the way around I mean you know we love Maxi, Maxi Priest he's he's a uh, he's a star in his own right and we've worked with him as well you know we've recorded with Maxi and uh, and he's open for us uh, several places around the world Australia and New Zealand and you know so we, we know Maxi well we we like Maxi he's uh, yeah he's a yeah. good guy so oh yeah and Big Mountain I'm looking forward to seeing Big Mountain and seeing if they've got any song other than the one that I know, which is you know, <laughs> "Baby, I Love Your Way." Right? You don't you don't go out and listen to like their Spotify top five before you pick your opening act. Like, oh, they do I know their song. <laughs> I think I ought to, but uh, <laughs> the thing was, we didn't pick this lineup. It was actually a lineup that was suggested to us um, mm. for just for playing uh, the US tour, and we we liked the lineup. You know, it seems to me like a a lineup that will appeal to an American audience. Wow, and, it looks uh, good on a marquee. I mean, uh-huh. yeah. But of course, uh, a Canadian I'm quite excited. Is, uh, Sorry? Canadian audience is here. We're waiting. We're waiting for you. Is there a Canadian tour coming? Hopefully. You, you, <laughs> have, to, you have to have a Canadian promoter that wants to do it, you know? It's... Uh, it's not like you just click your fingers and, and it happens, you know? You, you have to get... Uh, you have to find promoters that want to do these things. Robin and Mitch the is moment, lying to you. He doesn't go to concerts anymore. There's so many. <laughs> there's so many people out on the road at the moment that it's uh, it's hard to get the slots. You know, yep. it's hard yeah. to get dates. It's uh, it's ridiculous. We just did some dates in Europe and we were we were zigzagging all over the place because the dates had to, you know the availability of venues was just ridiculous. The same in the UK as well. We were. We were up north and then we were down south and then we were up north again. It was it was crazy just because of availability for dates, you know. Yeah. Up and down the coast, yeah. Uh, just uh, uh, last question for Matt. Matt, uh, UB40 is not going to go on for the next 30 years, I don't think. What sort of oh, your I'm plan? I'm not so actually? sure about that. Well, well let's hope. <laughs> we'll know. <laughs> well, it could, yeah. I guess. I guess we could brand it uh, out. It, actually, it's a serious question, though. Could we brand it out and just... 
keep the name going and, and just sort of switch out the players? I mean, Foreigner has done it. I, I uh, Village people has done it. <laughs> I the think, I the think, original whalers are doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's nothing. And, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's, there's many bands. The there's many bands doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. People want to hear the songs. Yeah. yeah. If, if you've got a, if you've got a, a sound, you know, and you've, if you can bring people in that are younger and they play with you and thereby learn to play the original sound and sound like you, then why not? I mean, the drifters have been going for how long? 60 years, you know? Right. And I don't think there certainly aren't any originals, you know, but uh, they still sound like the drifters. And I don't see any reason why there couldn't be a UB40 playing in in 20 years' time, you know? and I can't imagine any There'll of There'll always be an audience. I don't know if any of the originals will be left in 20 years' time, but, um, you know, yeah. if I'm if I'm not gone, if I haven't dropped, I'll still be there. I'll still be playing. Yeah. And, and um, at least it'll be And I'm sure we can, we can recruit other people and, and just keep it going, you know? Why not? And yeah. brand Trump's band every time. Every yeah. time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, uh, best of luck with the tour. We're going to catch up with you guys uh, next time. Welcome back to the show anytime. Hopefully we get some uh, Canadian dates and stuff. I'd love to go see one of the shows in New York or Boston or something. I'd love to come to Canada, man. It would be yeah. brilliant. When's the last time you guys toured Canada? Cool, dear. Um, we did do it with, with Duncan, but probably 10 years ago now. Wow. So, yeah, it's you guys time. do. It's you time. guys need to get back here. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, love it. And it's funny. I was actually talking to the, to a promoter today, but about a different thing. So maybe I'll have to get him to do. Give him a call. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Robin, just real quick uh, before you go, were you like through the years uh, as a guitar player? Are you a crazy guitar gear nut? Like, have you recorded? Have you like uh, collected all kinds of gear over the years and stuff? You got a hundred guitars or? Nah, nah. I do. I, I I kept the original guitar that I bought. Uh, my first electric guitar was a left-handed uh, Fender Strat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a 1954 Fender Strat, uh, and I've still got it. And it's, wow. you know, it's, it's still my original guitar. But I've never been a collector like that, really. I'm, uh, I'm not even that much into guitar playing. I just do what needs to be done, you know. I don't practice. Yeah. I don't do anything. I just play chords, you know. Um, yeah. and, and occasionally pick something out but i'm not a i'm not a you know i'm not a hard line you're not a gear slut at all. no no not really i'm i'm much more into vocals and production than i am uh yeah. playing guitar guitar is just a kind of necessity you know for me uh, to work out the chord sequence and stuff yeah, 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 yeah. You're more worried about, am I using an SM58 on stage or is it a Sennheiser 935? What are we using here? <laughs> yeah, much more. Much more about the, the mic I use. <laughs> I like that, though. All right. Well, look, let's wrap up here. Go check out UB40 on tour this summer. Tickets are available now wherever you get your music. Pick up their uh, latest record as well. I mean, uh, this band's just phenomenal live, and you're, you're just going to have so much fun. Mitch, just one more time. What's the tour called? Well, it is the uh, bigger, bigger regadim tour. <laughs> Close enough. Good Listen, it's the UB40 tour. That's all you bigger need. Bigger bagger rhythm. Bigger bagger rhythm. 
Bigger bagger redeem tour. We gotta there say it go. twenty yeah. times before you go to bed tonight. Talk I'm gonna to have that stuck in my head for the rest of the day now. <laughs> yeah, well, just just the title sounds like a song. It's got a rhythm to it, which is kind of cool. So yeah. There you go. Now back to the Mitch Lafon and Jeremy White show. We are speaking with the one and only Greg Hart, of course, of the band uh, Cats in Space. A new album, Kick Start the Sun, is out. Uh, well, it's out now. And as we say here in Montreal, bonjour, comment allez-vous? Oh, bonjour, and other words. And, and, and other words, right. <laughs> bonjour, Mitch. <laughs> bonjour. So, listen, I love Cats in Space. Yeah, the, the band came out a few years ago. I mean, what are we looking at now? Five years? 2017? 2000? No. No, no, 2015. Yeah, okay, so seven years we're looking yeah. at. Yeah, we're getting on a bit now. Yeah, and uh, you've changed singers uh, over that uh, over that time. We know that, and and you know the band has had uh, members changes. But but talk to me about putting this band together because you you've been out there. You you you've written with Asia. You've done some other stuff. You've been you've been on the scene for years. Talk to me about this band and making it viable and making it a band because it is. It's a different marketplace. It's a tough marketplace. It is. It's madness. I mean, as as we said many times, that the band was put together back in 2015 by myself um, and Mick Wilson, just purely as a, a songwriting uh, kind of uh, project, if you like. You know, Mick yeah. was in 10 CC. Um, I wanted to write a bunch of songs that was like the 70s. Stevie Bacon, the drummer, came involved. We kind of put a little business plan together. Got some players in, Jeff Brown, who was in the suite for many years, came on board. Dean Howard from Tapau and Ian Gillen came on board. Um, and we By the had, way, Tapau. Um, I haven't heard that Tepau, name man. in years. That's a, that's yeah, a band Tepau. right there. All yeah, right. Dean, Dean <laughs> Tepau, he, was, he was the rock man in Tapau, yeah. Um, nice. And Andy Stewart on keyboards, who right. has been alongside me for many years. Um, and we kind of, before we knew what we was doing, we had this band and this album that everybody loves, Mm-hmm. Um, in this kind of quirky 70s style that some said, oh, it's never going to work, you're mad. And we found out there's an awful lot of people out there that like going back in time and reminiscing about the great days of 70s rock music. Mm-hmm. And we went out and did a few gigs. It grew from there. We ended up touring with Status Quo, Deep Purple, Thunder, who I know you're a big fan of. Thunder, um, that's right. We, we greatest rock band Hyde, ever. Yeah, Hyde Park with Phil Collins and Blondie. We... We wow. did the London Palladium with Bonnie Tyler. You know, it just grew. And we, and what was basically a vanity project grew into a business, a cottage industry that we run ourselves. Yeah. Um, and we're on Kickstart the Sun is now our fifth album. And we've got Damien Edwards singing with us now. He joined us for the Atlantis album, which was album four. Yeah. Um, and, and he Damien, did the, uh, the greatest hits, the, uh, the Diamonds. Yeah, um, he did the diamond thing. Yeah, he did that too. He did he did the Atlantis album, but we also did a, a, like a lot of songs for diamonds, which was intentional for kind of the German market. It's like a promo thing to announce the new singer right. and to try and get some dates over in Germany. And of course, COVID knocked all that out of the water. So we just released it as a compilation album as a stopgap between Atlantis and now what will be Kickstart the Sun. Uh, Damien did War of the Worlds with Jeff Wayne. So the band's got a hell of a good pedigree. They're amazing players. They're amazing people. They're just the best bunch of people that you could ever wish to work with. And they share the dream and we're all mental and we just go out and we want to relive the 70s and 
take it to the world. It seems to be a lot of people out there that need to have some good time 70s vibes going on right now, you know? Yep. Now, I, I do want to talk about the 70s sound, but, but first, you did mention that you turned it into a business. And to me, it turned into a business a lot based on the name and the visuals. You look at the T-shirts, you look at the, the album covers, you look at all that merchandise. It's fun and it's quirky yeah. and it's interesting. You go, there's a cat in, in a UFO and, and, <laughs> and it's got colors and it's bright. Anyway, just talk to me about the importance of that because, you know, had you just thrown, no offense, like your faces on the album, people would have went, eh, you got some old guys on an album. But you look at, no offense, but you look at yeah, the yeah. album covers and you go, oh, this is fun. Look at these colors. It's bright. It's red. Yeah. It's cats. It's. Yeah, well, this is the thing. I mean, we all come, I mean, myself and Stevie in particular, we, we've got an art, art background. I mean, I've, you know, I've been an artist for years, painting and stuff. Stevie is a, an incredible digital artist that does stuff. You know, I don't even know what that side is, but he's amazing at it. And, of course, we, we knew a guy called Andy Kitson, who is a, a fantastic Formula One motorsport artist who's really well known in the UK is doing these incredible paintings of Formula One. And he's also a massive 70s rock fan. And he he kind of came on board and started designing stuff. And we designed the cat helmet. And right from day one, I said, look, we're kind of knocking on a bit here. I don't know whether we'll sell many T-shirts of our ugly mugs on it. Um, right. And, we and, and we, can, we can joke about that without being insulting. It's true. I it mean, doesn't matter. Yeah, nobody wants to see my it. face. That's why I do a podcast. Yeah, well, I call it the ELO syndrome. Back in the seventies, yeah. ELO gifted millions of albums based on that spaceship with the ELO logo. Yes, they didn't know who was in the band apart from maybe Jeff Lynne. So it, sometimes it isn't about the you know it's not like the eighties when it was the hair metal and never about to sell themselves on being a pretty boy. We've done all that, right? But we thought if we come up with a really cool logo, that logo will sell the band better than we ever could. Yes, to the point now that we can put a cat pod on a picture. And no name of the band. And a lot of people go, oh, that's Cats in Space. Yes. So yes. it's like Iron Maiden Zeddy. And at the end of the day, merchandise is king in this game nowadays. You've yes. got to have your merch right. You've got to have your branding right. You've got to not be fussy with it. You know, you can't keep changing your logo every five minutes. No. You know, Kiss, four letters, Kiss, done. Thank you very much. Biggest marketing band in history. And I, I basically took everything from the Gene Simmons handbook of making money for merch. And... You know, it's doing this well, you know, because, it, like you said, it's fun, it's colourful, and it's bloody good. You know, it's really... Yes. Our artworks are fantastic, if I do say so myself. And, I, and I, I fully agree, and, and that's not even being uh, unmodest or immodest, it's, it's being honest. Mm. It, it truly is. And yeah. and the good thing about your artwork and your, your logo is Kickstart the Sun could be the final album you make, but your, your T-shirts could sell for another decade with no new music coming out because people are going to say, I like that logo. And yep. that's a win. That, that's, that's it's a win-win. We, we said from day one, it's win-win if you get your logo right. It will always be a brand. I mean, um, even as a company called EMP in Europe, we're a huge clothing and heavy rock kind of franchise thing. And they sell clothing and all sorts of things. But they also sell vinyl. And they've actually now taken the new album which is amazing because they they only take kind of Kiss and Slipknot and Metallica and stuff like that. Right. Yet they've taken our new album on under their brand as well. And HMV Music are taking on an exclusive vinyl for the new album. I think they're, they're starting to realise is that it looks good, you know. And I think we'll continue to sell, 
you know our artworks and our products like you said after the music stops we'd always be able to 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 do stuff with the make a cartoon series out of it in fact someone the other day said would you ever do a cartoon series based on cats in space i went absolutely 100 percent. yes you know hannah barbera hr puff and stuff you know it's all stuff that we're very we're close to is crazy and childlike as it is we love all that stuff you know and it's good it's eternal yeah and and now before fans get the impression that you're just a brand and it's and it's just you know a nice logo you back it up on top of that with great music so let's talk about the music and let's sell the music a little bit uh talk to me a little bit about the new album kickstart the sun because i was listening to it and i've been listening to it for the last couple of weeks and at moments i'm thinking oh i'm listening to david bowie and then at other times i'm going oh i'm listening to the suite and then at other times i'm thinking oh that sounds like queen and yet it's not Queen, it's not David Bowie, it's not the Sweet. It's Cats in Space with these little, you know, with a little bit of cinnamon and cardamom and a little, you know, it's all blended in, but it's still your sound. Uh, yeah. Talk to me about sort of tipping the hat without becoming a cover band and tipping the hat and just saying, hey man, those were great tunes and we're going to give you fresh music, but with a little yeah. bit of, see, I see the, the, the Thin Lizzy jailbreak back there on your, on your wall. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. So, signed by Paul Lynott. So, oh, yeah, nice. I mean, well, yeah, yeah, that's what was signed in 1976 on the Johnny the Fox tour. Wow. As, as a, were you a musician yeah. at the time or just a fan that, that met him backstage kind oh, of thing? No, I was going to see gigs back then, and a, and a friend of mine got those signatures and they gave them to me as a birthday present years later. Wow. Um, there you I, go. Saw Lizzie, I saw Lizzie in 78. I think I saw Brian Robertson's last ever gig with him, actually. So, wow. was that yeah. was Huey Lewis on stage singing uh, with a harmonica when you saw him? No, that was yeah. the tour before we saw them with Horse Lips. Um, oh. But uh, yeah, that was that was great. But yeah, the um, uh, to be honest, I mean, I come from the seventies. I was brought up on seventies music by two older brothers. I've always loved seventies pop. You know, I love the Carpenters. I loved Donna Summer. I love the quirky songs that came out in the 70s. I love the rock stuff, I, you know. So I kind of, I soaked up an awful lot of influence as a kid. David Bowie especially, that was the first album, grown-up album that I ever got, was Aladdin Sane when I was nine, wow. I think it was. Um, and so Cats in Space was the first band that really was the vehicle for me to really just write songs purely for my own love of the 70s music and you know there's a little nod to 10 cc there there's a nod to queen with the brian may guitars and the harmonies i thought why shouldn't we because again don't forget this was a project to start with it was purely for my own vanity i'm going to do 10 songs that are going to kind of really heavily be influenced by all the music that i grew up loving and right. if people don't like it fair enough but i've done it but they were coming on board saying, oh, my God, you sound like ELO. You sound like Super Tramp. How do you do it? I said, we're just brave enough to not shy away from using the sounds that they used to use. And don't forget, we do a lot of stuff analog and it's all old school and we use real instruments and vintage equipment. And we've always maintained that across the albums. And I think as time's gone on and obviously we're writing for the next album, there's more confidence in the fact that we can do this and people really want us to do it rather than they're just taking the mickey out of this or, right. you know, it would have fallen on its backside on the first album if it wasn't going to work. And it didn't. People just went, Oh my God, even Francis Rossi from Quo, when we toured with them, he came out on the first night and thought, Oh no, they're going to be like Iron Maiden with their long hair and, and he said, I heard these beautiful harmonies coming yes. off the stage and we all had to stop what we was doing and go, who's this band that are supporting us? 
and they quickly downloaded our album and they were they became big fans of the band i said why i said no one does melodies like that anymore right i said well it's a it's a pity that the business has got to the point where you're shocked to hear melody you know so i'll take a melody from the carpenters or you know macarthur park or john miles or whoever and i'll incorporate it into the cat sound and we just found this magic formula that isn't reinventing the wheel but we've kind of made our own thing out of it which is astonishing really when you yes. think about where we come from yes and, and i and i say that respectfully you 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 nod to to those bands but you're not co- you're not a cover band you are cats in space doing cats yeah. in space music yeah but if you listen to it and you love that music like i do you go oh i feel comfortable here this is i feel comfortable mm. listening to this. um so then talk yeah. to me then about the recording process because you know we've gotten to that that time of everything is pros tools and we just we have all our beats and rhythms and all that just in the computer and you just hit a button and, and mm. you're not doing that nope we obviously have to use pro tools for the mixing process and the, right. you know you have to you have to eventually go into hard drive obviously but we we use old-fashioned proper recording studios with old-fashioned equipment we go through a proper old-fashioned desk we make sure everything's got those the old 70s crunch to it as it's going on but instead of going to tape it just goes on to you know onto the hard drive if you like but we make sure that every part of the process before that is as real as possible we did um some recording at rack studios in london for this album yeah thunders recorded and there we, oh man the, the the desk we used was the desk that did all that hot chocolate susie quattro smoky all those so- mud all those songs in the 70s we're on that desk and we're staying in mickey most's apartment and oh, it, nice. was like, it was like being back in 1977 and when you soak that up over a period of a week or two you play different, you vibe different, you approach yep. things different, and you just go into your little time capsule. And as you said, Cats in Space is all about taking people back to a, that comfy time yep. when we were kids and all we had to look forward to was the next Rush album and can't wait to see the album cover and the gatefold and the, and the lyrics and soaking it all up. And we kind of, that's where we live. So the recording process is done exactly the same way. We make sure everything... We transport ourselves back in time when we do it and we do spend a lot of time on it i mean kickstart took eight months to record um wow you know one one track alone took 10 days to mix uh, sorry 10 days to record and seven days to mix because we are putting so much information and it's so cinematic what we're doing now that it's it's huge stuff that you can't just knock out on a computer using drum loops and a few keyboard sounds you know it's You know, we're using banks of guitars. You know, I can't even start to count up the amount of guitars we use in the recording process. 30, 40 different guitars, maybe. Because wow. we can. You know, we love doing it. It's it's like the old days. It's like when Rush went to record a Farewell to Kings at Rockfield, and you imagine what it was like there in those days. I want to do that. I want to have all the guitars out and the massive drum kit and the tubular bells and the kettle drums all laid out. And we can just go up to one of the things and say, right, let's use this now. And it makes for a much better music, I think, to be fair. It, it really does. Um, and, and let's talk a little bit about the packaging since you since, you know, you're, you're talking about how you had those rush albums with the gatefold. When you get a Cats in Space product, it is not just a cheap one, you know, one sheet insert. It is glossy. 
It is colorful. It is full of information. It, it talks about, you know, who did what. It, it's it's very old school. Talk to me about also providing a proper package. Because when you when you plunk down that 20 bucks to buy Kickstart the Sun or Too Many Gods or Scarecrow or whatever, you're not just getting 10 songs on a cheap CD. You're, you're getting a, a keepsake. Yeah, you want bang for buck. I mean, again, it's like there is so much music out in the world today. And also bearing in mind that when you're 50 odd, you've built up this huge wall of albums and CDs throughout your life. Yep. You've got to make sure that what you do is valid enough for them to want to put it into their treasured, you know, their treasured collection. And there's so much option for people to buy stuff nowadays. You've got to make your stuff stand out and be as good quality. People will expect it. They want, you know, they, they don't want to see, you know, cheap albums on right. CDs. And but you see them all the time. That's the problem. Exactly. So we make sure. And also this comes a lot from, again, the artistic background that we, we as we're recording an album, we'll, we normally have the album title before we even do the album. Right. And then we think this album is going to be this journey. So let's write songs for that journey. It's going to have this piece of artwork, gatefold. We've got a lyric booklet. We've got different variants of vinyl. There's, you know, there's a deluxe CD with extra tracks on it. I think, if you can offer that to people now, they 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 see that you're the real deal, and I think punters are very quick at, at sussing out fakes and people yeah. adjusting it for the wrong reasons. And they see us and they know we're the real deal. We're not mucking about, no. and you know we are at the twilight end of our career, if you like. You know, so everything we do, we really want it to be the best it can be because it's got to stay in people's collections for forever yes they got their queen albums i want cats in space albums to be treasured like their queen albums and god bless our fans the comments we get are totally overwhelming at times when they say night of the opera was my all-time favorite record and atlantis has just beaten it and i went you can't be serious about that and this guy was i'm deadly serious he came to saw us on tour last year and he said i never thought night of the I mean, you can't take words like that in, you know, when someone reckons your album is better than Night of the Opera. I mean, we are not worthy, you know. But yeah. it proves that if you if you hit the right target with some of these people, they will take you exceptionally seriously. Yes, and, and, we are and, and the, the, the 70s fan, that older fan, is very loyal. If you give them something they like, they will stick with you. You know, they, they, they just will. Um, you had a chance to write with Bob Mitchell, who wrote uh, famously The Flame for Cheap Trick. Yeah, uh, did, one of the yeah, greatest, I, I guess, power ballads, I guess is the term for it, a ballad. One of the greatest yeah. rock ballads, I guess. Um, talk to me about your association with Bob Mitchell and, and how did you get to meet him and what was the situation? And, and did any of the songs that you wrote with him get anywhere, go somewhere? That's, that's a great question, Mitch. That is that's good. That I'm, I'm glad you asked that because there's a really good story here, which I'll try and be quick about. Um, when I was signed to a publishing company many, many years ago, when I was in London, mm -hmm. um, the my publisher, a guy called Pete McCamley, who's absolute legend, he said you need to write with some big name writers to to really hone your skill because you obviously <clears throat> you've got a lot to offer here, but you need more experience. Right. And I was like 25, 26 at the time or something. So he said, I, I got to work with quite a lot of people, actually. A guy called Bob Marlette, who wrote with Neil Schoen and yeah. stuff like that. And that went very well. And he said, do you know a guy called Bob Mitchell? I went, no, I don't. He said, but he's just written a song for Cheap Trick called The Flame. I went, you are kidding me. He said, do you know it? I went, do I know it? I said, it's number one in America, isn't it? He went, yeah. He lives down in, um, in Surrey. I went, no way. So 
I met Bob and he came into the studio to write a song for my band, If Only. And we wrote a song called The Ghost of You. Superb. You know, he, he, he was just so, so vibey and we just got on so well. So we smashed that one. Then we wrote a song called Tumbling Dice. And then we wrote another song, which was called I Remember. Um, and he phoned me up one night from America and he said, great. He said, uh, Bob here, um, how attached are you to Tumbling Dice? I went, well, it's one of the key songs that we're trying to tout around to get a record deal because we had no record deal at the time. Right. And he went, I've got someone that's interested in it. Um, I said, who? He said, Patty Smith. I went, Patty Smith, what, the Smythe, as in the girl from Scandal? And he went, yeah, that's the one. He said, they, they want to record it as potentially a single on a new album. And, I, and I, I couldn't let it go because it was a key track on us getting an album deal. So next thing I know, she's going to have number one with Don Henley. So I was absolutely <laughs> gutted. So but after that, he then got in touch again. He said, uh, hi, Greg, I'm at a party in somewhere, Beverly Hills or something. He said, um, I'm at Donna Summer's party. I'm with her mum who manages Donna's art collection or some, I can't remember, something like that. <laughs> he said, I think I've got us a song away. That song I remember, she's going to cut it. Oh, uh, really? So... I said, yeah, please do, because it's not going to be an if-only song. So they sent a contract through on my birthday. Um, we signed it, and the song went off to Donna Summer, and she cut it. Then halfway through the process, as far as I know and I was told, the producer got fired, and he brought a new guy in, and he said, why are you doing all this rock stuff? Like, sure, leave it alone. You need to do the disco album. And they canned off my my song <laughs> off of the half of the album that was going to be it. But she was going to do a rock album. So somewhere there's a version of Donna Summer singing one of my songs, wow. which was amazing. But it's never seen the light of day. So, And then grunge came out and we kind of, the band split up and I kind of, kind of we, our paths kind of drifted apart of it. And Bob went into some theatre stuff, and um, that was it. But the, the funny thing was, I was in Vegas about four months ago, and I went to see Cheap Trick at the Strat. Unbelievable gig. One of the best gigs I've ever seen. The set list was phenomenal. And when they played The Flame, wow. It was just like, oh, my mate wrote this. You know, the couple next to me were from Canada, and I went, my mate wrote this. You know, it's like one of those things. So, yeah, Bob was such a cool dude. I'd love to see him again because he was a great man. He really was, you know. Let me just ask you, Cheap Trick or Rick Nielsen has 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 said that he hates the song and blah blah blah. He, the record company forced it, and yet they play, <laughs> right? But yet they, they they take the money and they still play it, um, which is fine. But did did Bob ever talk to you about that and say, "Ah, oh, that son of a gun! Why why is he dissing my song?" <laughs> um, but the funny thing, he told me that how the song went to number one because they were on tour with Motley Crue at the time, right? And he said. I got a phone call late one night from his partner who co-wrote it, uh, Nick Graham, I think it is. Yeah. He said, Bob, he said, uh, the flame's just gone in the charts at number 85 or something. He went, oh, wow, cool. He said, the cheat trick had just started a tour with Motley Crue. So it's going down well. They're starting to pick it up on the stations. And he said, it went up the chart week in, week out as they're on this tour. He goes, Bob, it's number 14. Bob, it's number 30 with a bullet. Bob, it's number 20. Bob, it's going to go top 10. And they went, you, he said, it could go higher. And he said, it went into the 10. And then he said, Bob, we've been told it might be number one. And he just said, he bought the house next door. He's buying cars out the front and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and I went, oh, what was that like, man? To, to, and he said, you know what, Greg, where you're sitting right now at my dining table, he said, I wrote it here. 
and I was singing the melody and the words to Nick uh, down the phone in America, and that's how we finished the song off. And he played me the little tape, like dictaphone tape message of him scatting the original wow. version of the play. I'm like, what? And he looked at me and he went, don't worry, mate, you'll have one of these. Oh, it's that's so cool. And then that. he said the phone after then didn't stop ringing. He said every record company said, can those guys write us another flame for House of Lords? Did a song called Remember My Name. Yep. That was a Bob Mitchell song. That was like Flame Part 2. Then another one wanted the flame. They wanted one for Winger, one for Warren. You know, all those bands were all the time. It's like, <laughs> can't keep rewriting the flame. But they, that's when the power ballads, I think they pioneered the AOR power ballad being the big go-to song for those rock bands, you know? So, well, listen, yeah, cool. I, I was a cheap trick fan. And when lap of luxury came out, uh, they were almost a forgotten band. People were like, meh. Yeah. From this. And then the flame yeah. hit and people went, Oh, cheap Boom. trick is back. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it changed everything. And by the way, it's funny that you mentioned that they were looking for other singles because I used to speak to Doug Feger of the knack and yeah. I would, and and we talked about my Sharona uh, quite a bit. And he said to me one time, he said, he said, you know, it's that golden albatross. He goes, it's it's golden because the pool, the cars, the it all bought that, but it's an albatross yeah. because every time I went to the record company with new music, they'd say, well, that that's really good, but c can you write but, us another my Sharona? And it drove him nuts. I bet. Yeah, and, I bet. And, you know, so so I can imagine coming to Bob all the time, going. So, uh, can you write us another The Flame? At some point, you just go, <laughs> no, go, no, <laughs> fuck. I'll yeah, write yeah. you the new new. I'll write you a new Hink to hit single. You yeah. know, <laughs> exactly. That's why I got so much respect for bands like Queen and Bowie and stuff that re kept reinventing them rather than rewriting Bo Rap time and time again. They went, no, no, we're done with that. Let's yeah. move on. I mean, but, you, it, it, I always it, look at the Queen stuff. It's amazing how brave they were to change from bow rap to crazy little thing called love in four years. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, not a lot of bands can do that. Madonna can do that. You too can do that. They can yeah. change. And then there are some bands like ACDC where the fans go, "That's ACDC. <laughs> Don't start with loops and effects." Yeah. And you know, that's just, not going to work. Yeah. And it's it's amazing that. There are bands like, like I said, or artists like Madonna who can just, you're expected to change and other bands yeah. like, just, just give me kiss. No, I don't want, no, just give me kiss. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think if you establish yourself early doors that you're going to be like that, I guess people get on the ride or they don't. But yeah, like when you do four or five albums at the same, you're kind of stuck in a rut then. But yeah. You know, power to any band that can do more than four or five albums in a career anyway. It's blooming hard, you know, I mean, we were on album five and I never thought we'd get to album five and all, if I was really honest, we, we joked that we'll do nine albums and the ninth one will be called nine lives and that'd be it. But <laughs> th yeah, careful what you wish for because it's getting close now. <laughs> but okay. The, the, the 10th album will be one final life, you know, one extra life, <laughs> yeah. bonus oh, life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, bonus life. Anyway, uh, kickstart the sun available. Now you can get that. Oh, I, hold on. I don't have your website up here. I'll, I'll uh, it's on the, tw it's out on the 29th of July. Is the official release date. Oh, correct. Yes. Yes. And, uh, we are only you the 22nd. Now, See, look at that. I'm, I'm having a whole hard time with times today. <laughs> It's a bad day for you, Mitch. <laughs> oh, time was. Uh, but uh, catsinspace.co.uk, you can head over and uh, pre-order that now. Uh, I've had a chance to listen to it because I had a had a little preview, 
And it is terrific. And uh, when you're when you're over at the uh, Cats in Space, go over to the merch side and just pick up a, a cool tea and a cool whatever else because there's just a lot of. I'm, I'm looking at it right now and see, and, and now I'm mesmerized and I can't even talk to you because I'm just. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm looking at all the cat swag. Look at all this stuff. Oh, no, be careful! Be careful! I know yeah, it, it just sucks you in. It's 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 delightful. It's deli- oh, look at those mugs. I'm gonna have to go get a mug later. Oh, no, and we got the Kickstart stuff to come out as well. We got the tour T-shirts coming out when the tour starts at the end of september um there'll be christmas stuff coming out we do calendars we do we, we've started doing music books as well we're starting to do the albums in chronological order as music books because wow. we keep getting asked when we when will you do the sheet music so i can learn how to play the songs you know it's it's amazing really i never thought all this was going to happen and it's it's a lot of work because we are a cottage industry doing it all ourselves but it's so rewarding when you can sit back and watch the look on people's faces and they just yeah. love it you know Hey, listen, and, um, and if, uh, if, if, if it's good enough for Paul Carrick to do it uh, solo like yeah, this, man. it's good enough for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the new album will blow people away, I guarantee you. Yeah. I agree. It blew me away. <laughs> uh, there you go. Merci bien, as we say in Montreal. Thank you. Superb. Thank you very much, Mitch. Always a pleasure, and uh, we will do this for album seven, eight, nine, and uh, the tenth one. And the ten bonus, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye now. All right, perfect. That was great. Thank you. Sorry for all the delays. My uh, my time That's calendar right. is is complete. <laughs> Take the rest of the day off, mate. Take the rest of the day off. Yes. Sir. <laughs> Cheers. Is it the day? I don't know. Is it night or day? I can't remember now. Where are you? What time? Uh, is it I'm day? in Montreal. It's one o'clock in the afternoon right now. Oh, okay. It's not too bad. Then. Not too bad. Oh. But, yeah. No, thanks for that, Mitch. That was superb. And. Um, yeah, see you out there, hopefully one day. Yes, and, and I actually thought tomorrow was the 29th. <laughs> so tomorrow's the 27th. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know, mate. I don't know. You said Back to the doctor. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Cheers. An all-new episode of the Mitchell Fun and Jeremy White Show. Tuesday at noon. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews. Bonus content. And episodes on demand now. Visit YouTube.com slash Jeremy White Show. Follow Mitch and Jeremy on Twitter. Yeah, they're verified. At Mitch LaFon and at Jeremy White MTL.